0: The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman.
1: As we continue on the Pure Hoops podcast, BJ Armstrong and I are uh, examining the last dance, but through a very unique lens, and that, of course, is the lens in which uh, BJ lived it as a Chicago Bull during, of course, the first three Pete. Along the way, as BJ and I have been recording the show for going on a year and a half, we've had a lot of very insightful conversations about what he experienced in the NBA of the 90s and, of course, as Michael's teammate. The following is from a show BJ and I did last year where we did one of our Back to the 90s segments, and it was all about the Michael Jordan retirement and what took place with BJ, Horace, and Scotty with the Chicago Bulls for the 93-94 season. Have a listen.
2: Well, the thing I remember most uh, about that season was um, training camp was about to start. And, and back in those days, you know, you went training camp for the entire month. Um, and we were about to start training camp And one of our brothers, you know, Michael said he couldn't play and it was not no why or how can we help? It was just giving him the space that that he needed, that his family needed at the time to sort through whatever was going on in his life. And there was a lot of things that were going on at that time. And I think the, the biggest thing for me was to be a good friend and to. You know, not only listened, but to hear what he was saying, because I couldn't imagine what that was like for him then, and having both of my parents still alive today to know what he was going through with him and his family, and knowing how close he was with his with his parents um so I wanted to be a good friend first and foremost um the one thing I do remember about that about that team was it gave me the first glimpse of what uh, it meant to actually build a team. And, you know, there was so much talk, especially in the media about, you know, you know, Michael Jordan. And, you know, you know, you guys were, you know, Michael and the pips and Michael and the Jacksons, because he was such a polarizing figure. Um, It was the first time that I had an appreciation for how the team was built. You know, we were, Clearly a team. I think we actually won more regular season games that year than we did the previous year, even though we won the championship. Uh I think it was the third championship um in that in that first three peak. Yep. So I had an appreciation for how the team was built because I now I've, I I remember thinking now I, I understand the difference between a risk and a gamble. You know, you you don't gamble with your franchise by just building it around one player. You take a risk knowing that that one player can push you over the top, but you build and you take a risk with building a team. And I always had an appreciation for Scottie Pippen, but Scottie Pippen perhaps had his greatest individual season that year. Uh, Horace Grant became an all-star that year. I became an all-star that year. And without question, and Phil and I, when when we see each other, I, I always make... Make sure to tell him that that was his greatest coaching season, I thought, that he's done. And he's won 11 championships. But that year, he really, because everything was on the cuff, there was no preparation. You don't take Michael Jordan out of your lineup, right? (laughs) And then suddenly still find a way to win 50-something games in this league. And then go on to advance. I mean, I think we won the first. round. I think we took the Knicks to seven games that year. I can't remember the second you, round. Or
1: you, you, you went, you went to seven, and of course the controversial yeah, foul I mean, call to put Hubert Davis on the free throw line. So I mean, so, you I easily mean, could have been in the conference finals against the Pacers. So
2: I, I and, and that. So I had a an appreciation, and that was my first fascination with how to build a team because how do you continue to lose a player like Jordan and still win 55 or something, whatever we won that year. I can't remember, 57 or something games we won, whatever we did. 55 that
1: and fifty-five and 27. So how do you take
2: Jordan off your team? So, you, so let's just take the best player off of every team and then still say that team is going to win 55 games. And a, a, a player like Michael Jordan, this guy was averaging 32, 33 points a night. So to me – that was the first time i became fascinated with how to construct a team how to construct a team because now you know you had players that were contributing and doing things and i became fascinated with style and systems of play and i and i really learned how to win in this league because it's not about offense we always talk about offense but the triangle offense if you will gets a lot of headlines of what is the triangle offense and I I always laugh when I when I people ask what is the triangle offense and I always laugh when Phil Jackson and he must have and you know from time to time you know I've never I've never actually pinpointed him on this but I know he understands this because he you know he's you know he's been teaching the triangle and uh, for for years the triangle offense is gets a lot of publicity for the offense But really, it just gives you the defensive balance that you need to be consistent on both ends of the court if it's executed properly. So, you know, of course, the offense is hard to learn because everyone's just the offense is what most people are focused on. But if you get stops on the other end, you never run the triangle offense. That's what people don't realize about the triangle offense. We play defense so hard because we didn't want to run the triangle offense. Because we were always playing advantage basketball, two on one, three against two, four against three. We were always playing advantage basketball because we always had the defensive transition to go from the transition from offense to defense. We were always in the right position, which gave us a huge advantage to be consistent.
1: You guys were third in opponents' points per game that season. I, I, like I, said, I don't know the numbers, but what I do yeah. know is
2: that the triangle offense is good if you want to be consistent at something. And you have to be consistently good at take get, taking away easy baskets or uncontested shots on the other end if you're going to be good in this league. right? The best teams in this league are going to have – they're going to contest the other shots, and they're going to take away easy transition buckets on the other end. So – to me, that's the beauty of the triangle offense or any offense system that allows you to have a good, a good transition defense. And that's when I began to really learn the game because Jordan was so good. You know, I have always said this um, because I firmly believe it then and, and even more so now is Michael is perhaps the greatest mistake eraser of all time. He just erased all the mistakes that right. you can make because he was so good. He was that good yeah. of a player. You're, you know, I don't know if your he's the margin, greatest player. Your margin for error. Yeah, my margin, margin for, for error. margin for error without him is minute. Yeah, yeah. My margin, I could be down. <laughs> Look, if we were within 10 points in the last four minutes of a game, we were going to win that game because he was going to score every single time. In the last four minutes of a game, Michael Jordan was going to do one of three things. He was either going to score two, get fouled and go to the free throw line and make two, or get an and one. So if you didn't play perfect basketball in the last four minutes against Jordan, we were gonna be plus 10 in the last four minutes of a game with him on the floor because that was his margin of error. He was that good of a player. I We never concerned ourselves with well, whether we were gonna score in the last four minutes of a game. Now, who else could go on the floor and do that? We didn't go into a huddle going, well, we gotta get this score. No, when we score, this is what we're gonna do. <laughs> It was a, That was a no-brainer for us. That's a no-brainer for him when he was playing at his height where he was that good in the last four minutes of a game. He was going to score, which put so much pressure on the other team because they knew they had to be perfect to beat him. So losing him and having to play and figure that out just gave me a whole – understanding and view of the game and how you build a team and how do you play and how do you do things. And, you know, the Knicks were a great defensive team, but, you know, I, have, I had a better understanding on how to defend without Jordan than with Jordan because this guy was going to figure out how to steal the ball or do something that was incredible, which you acknowledged it was incredible, but he he was just that good that made us kind of took us along for the ride because he we were already a good team but with him we were an exceptional team because he was that much better than everybody else not only in the league but you know on the team he was just able to do things that the rest of us couldn't do
1: so obviously this 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 93 94 bulls team and then the team that started the 94 95 season um very different without michael jordan and you know bj and Horace make the all-star game with Scotty, 94-95. Of course, you've got the um, continued success of the Indiana Pacers, the upstart Orlando Magic. And the Bulls are finding their way through that season. Michael had played baseball already. There were rumblings. And then BJ uh, got a very special phone call one morning in Chicago. I remember he called me. Uh, I think he had just came back
2: like sometime in the midwinter or sometime, and he told me he was in town, and we used to always go eat breakfast at this place called, I don't even know if they're still in business, called Baker Square. And we would go, and he was like, hey, what are you doing? I was like, hey, I'm about to go to practice. What are you doing? And he was like, let's go to breakfast. I was like, oh, you're in town? He was like, yeah. So we went to Baker Square. We had our normal pancakes, and we were just sitting there. And and, uh, he was like, what do you think if I came by practice? Do you think it would be a distraction? I was like, no, man, everyone would love to see you. And it'd be good for us. It'd be good for the morale of the team. Everybody would be great to see you. And he was like, no, I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want you know, cause a stir. I was like, why don't you just come by and just say hello. And everybody, it'd be good for you to be in the building. It'd be good for you to be around the guys. And he came by practice. And uh, we walked in together and we came by. And as I was getting tape, you know, we, we couldn't help ourselves. We started talking trash and one thing led to another and suddenly we went from having breakfast to just coming into the building to all of a sudden saying let's play a one-on-one and i was fully dressed for practice and he still had his shoes on and we started playing a one-on-one after Hmm. he he's after we started playing one-on-one i'm ready for i'm in i'm playing against him like we start, you know, first it was like a joke. Ah, oh, now you can't guard me, whatever. It's like, ah, oh, you old now, you can't play, da, da, da. And we're just talking. We go from playing to like a full lather. And when we look up, we realize that everyone was just kind of watching because we were playing and he was like right back. He was just, he just fell right back into his rhythm. Right back there. Everyone was great to see him for better or for worse, I lost that game, Eric. I, I, I admit that I'm not happy about <laughs> uh, that, that. I that lost was, that
1: game. That was that was going to be was, one yeah, of my. I did lose follow-ups. that game,
2: and I'm still upset about that. I lost to a man <laughs> as a professional, and he was still in his street shoes. <laughs> but if I had to lose to one, Michael would be the person, yeah. right? He um, was still
1: trying to hit. He was still trying to hit off-speed pitches. So I know it was. Is, uh, so my question is: Was that the beginnings of? the return to the floor that happened in March of 95? Was that the first step? I don't know
2: if that was the beginning, but I certainly, I think he realized that, you know what? Hey, you know what? This is, I mean, that's the place he built, you know? I mean, I just think he probably needed us as much as we needed him. And, you know, it wasn't a day that we didn't miss him or think about him, because, I mean, he's... he. uh, Besides being a wonderful basketball player and an incredible, you know, what he's achieved individually, Michael was a was a great teammate and he was always fun. He was always one of the guys and he took pride in being a good teammate. So and we all felt comfortable with him. He felt comfortable with us and we knew that he was Jordan and he had his things to deal with, but he respected us as, you know, guys on the team and it worked for whatever reason. It just worked. And it worked for, you know, the organization understood. It was just an understanding that we all knew. We all kind of grew up together, you know. It wasn't like he came in as Jordan, you know. He grew into that. He grew into mm-hmm. what he needed to do as a star in this, in this league. And we all kind of grew into, we knew what, would it, what it meant to be role players in this league, you know. Stars had to be stars and role players had to play their role. But we all had to be great. In order for us to have a great team, and I think that was the understanding that we had and the balance that we had uh, for people who so played in
1: Chicago. So how did he? How did he share with you guys before it went public? How did he share, or how did the conversation go down? I'm coming back.
2: Well, I, I, if I remember correctly, I I, I I think what we did was I think me him feel. And Scotty, I think Horace, Bill, and all of the guys. Horace, no, Horace, Horace was gone. Horace is gone. Was Horace gone? was Horace gone. Yeah, Horace was gone. Horace was with Orlando. Yeah, Horace had left. That's right. Um, But I remember all of us kind of just talked, and I remember thought, you know what? Hey, if if something, if you want to do it, um, we're still here. But I think the 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 brilliant part of all of this, the brilliant part of all of this, is that you know Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner. Continue to pay him even though he was out because he all i don't know if he always knew that he was going to possibility come back but he always gave himself and i said if he ever wanted to come back you'll always have this you know this was you'll always have an opportunity so the genius in all of this was to me jerry reinsdorf always gave him the opportunity to come back home whenever he felt it was time for him because of what he was dealing with that to me was thinking ahead and we were glad for our friend to come back we were just happy to see him back playing and talking and doing the things that we've all come to grow and uh, to you know to know him and over the years that we all grew as young people back then but the genius of all of this was that Jerry kept that option open for him. Yep. And when he was ready, he did come back. And I, and I remember we just kind of talked about it. He he thought about it. I don't think he said he, what he was going to do, but I think we kind of just found out we knew without really knowing, but I think it was, it was, you know, we thought it was pretty cool at that time, you know, that, he sent a fax, which I thought was like was cutting edge technology back then. <laughs> that's hilarious. So I, be I think it would fax. be comparable today. Yeah, I think I think it was comparable now to like sending a tweet or something. Right. Or social media. That's, but I remember that's that's, that's
1: amazing. Yeah. So so la- last 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 question before we wrap it. What what was the reaction like in Chicago when it was official? Do you remember what that excitement? Yeah, well, and buzz felt it went like? from.
2: Yeah, well, the the media was back, the excitement was back, and, you know, the one thing that I remember most was how his attitude had changed, his appreciation for, like, the small things of just being around the guys, being on the bus, uh, going out to dinner, those things, which, you know, you just kind of going into a routine, you know, you're always around each other, you just get into the routine, you just kind of, like, become mundane of just... but it was like he had a new appreciation for all of the things that he experienced in, 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 in baseball. And it brought like a fresh energy or a positive spin on something that we had just, you know, you know, you just grow so tired of getting on another bus, another hotel, another per diem, hmm. another practice, where he was just like, you know, he had a, he had a, a, a new look on life, if you will. So that new energy, uh was, was was great uh the one that, you know i think was kind of weird for all of us he wore like 45 i believe when he first came back or something like that i yep. think he wore like a yep different he number. wore 45 so for that, that was he, that was kind of weird to see him in that number you know you're passing the ball ahead to 45 instead of 23 but other than that he, he just had a new spirit about him and i think it took some time for him to get in w- what we call basketball shape You know, obviously he was a phenomenal athlete, but, you know, when you take that much time off, you're not going to just jump right into it. But he was – he showed spurts, you know. He showed spurts, you know, whether it was in the garden when he had 55 points and he showed spurts. But it just wasn't enough time that he had to get himself into that type of shape where he could just dominate a game for 48 minutes plus. And he just needed the summer to kind of work that through. And then they went on – uh, to win three more championships. But other than that, it was it was great to have him back in the city. And it was like, you know, uh, everyone was so excited when he came back. And, you know, the, you, could, you could feel the energy in the air.
1: So 25 years ago, Michael Jordan returns to the floor from playing baseball. Many of us remember exactly where we were when we heard the news. We remember watching his 55-point game against the New York Knicks at Madison Square Garden. And we also remember seeing him lose in the playoffs for the first time since 1990, uh, falling to the Orlando Magic in the second round, the team led by Penny Hardaway and Shaquille O'Neal that eventually would go on to the NBA Finals before bowing out to the defending champion Rockets. But what that showed the Bulls was is uh, they were going to need to reload this thing in a different way, and Michael Jordan was also going to start a new mission that summer, uh, reinventing uh, some of the ingredients in his game, getting into great basketball shape again. Of course, the addition of Dennis Rodman, and um, them starting the second journey uh, towards what would be the second three-peat of that decade. BJ, of course, moved on, played with the Golden State Warriors in 95-96, and then actually plays against Michael Jordan uh, and the Bulls uh, as a member of the Charlotte Hornets during the 1998 playoffs. We hope you enjoyed these conversations. We hope you've enjoyed watching uh, The Last Dance and hearing some of the unique insights that... BJ and uh, some of the other voices on the pure hoops podcast and our other shows have shared with you, the fans during this unique time where at least we get to celebrate this great history of the game and the greatness, which was of course, Michael Jordan on the basketball floor. Special thanks as always to my trusted producer, Mike Lieber, the one and only Bruce Bernstein editor, Benjamin Wolfen, the entire pure hoops family Be sure to check out our shows. Still coming at you each and every week. We're awaiting news from the NBA, but that doesn't stop the fantastic storytelling, interviews, and conversations that we've been putting out. The Mike Wise Show featuring Mike Wise and his esteemed guests dropping each and every Monday. Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams dropping on Tuesdays. Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Otto Strong and Aaron Berlin on Wednesdays buckets, boards and blocks with Monica McNutt on Thursdays. And of course, the Pure Hoops podcast with yours truly, Eric Newman and BJ Armstrong, coming at you to close the week through the weekend, each and every Friday, be safe, be healthy. Stay pure. Take care. everybody.
0: The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.